Hello everyone, and welcome to Downsizing, the podcast where we try and figure out when The Office actually ended, because everyone would have been fired. My name is Curtis, and I will be your host, and with me is my co-host and resident office expert, Antoinette. Hey everyone! Today we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 5, Initiation. In this week's episode, Dwight plays the mentor, Jim and Pam have an unexpected encounter, and a day everyone is looking forward to finally comes. This episode's cold open leads into what is the bulk of this episode, and that is Dwight trying to initiate Ryan into the office. In the cold open, Dwight is asking Ryan a series of riddles. And he starts off with the one where he asks, I have 15 cents in my pocket. One of those is not a dime. What is the other coin? And Ryan knows the answer because he's heard this before. He also does the one where there are a father and a son in a car crash and the doctor says I can't operate on this person because he is my son and the doctor's a woman yeah challenges some gender assumptions and i would say sexuality assumptions it could be it, it could be a father true in a homosexual couple true yeah that's not a very good brain teaser anymore There's a whole host of them, and as Dwight is going through them, he gets less into them each time because Ryan's just like, nope, I know that one, I know that one. And Dwight is growing more and more frustrated, kind of tearing out his hair sort of thing, that he just can't stump Ryan. And this sort of plays into Ryan, just his character, just who he is as this sort of smarmy, know-it-all type of cool guy, too cool for school, as I've said before. That's his attitude. Right. At the same time, though, I would not expect him nor anyone to just be like, yeah, I don't know, you you got me, Dwight. What's the (laughs) answer? Just to kind of appease Dwight. Right. The... Most of those brain teasers or riddles, I think everyone's kind of heard of before, especially with the advent of the internet. Right. So this initiation is leading up to Ryan going on his first sales call. We learn that Ryan has not made a single sale in the time he has been at Dunder Mifflin, which... I guess I didn't know Ryan was a salesman. Right. Unclear what his job as a temp was supposed to be, that he was a temporary salesman, which seems messy. Does not seem to compute. So either he's been fully hired on as a salesman in Jim's absence, which is the case. Remember, he got Jim's old job and Jim's old desk. True. Good point. So, but we still don't really know what he was doing as a temp. There's a lot of people in that office that don't have seemingly actual job duties. Other thing, 
how has the man made money? How has he gotten paid? Unless they have some sort of base salary and then you're like on commission for everyone, everything else. But. I feel like you would have to be, there would have to be some sort of base salary that is yeah. not much. Yes. Which I guess though, when, I mean, I remember when I first got a job and was, you know, a single 25 year old or whatever. 23 whatever it was and you go wait i'm making thirty thousand dollars a year what am i even gonna spend that money on like it is just this like it is a lot of money when you your only bills are like your rent and your groceries and maybe a car payment and like your utilities that's pretty much it Sure, I guess. I mean, I wish we felt that way now, but yeah. Sure. Dwight is just so pumped for this entire interaction. He asks Ryan, are you excited? Are you very excited? Extremely excited? And Ryan's like, okay, calm down. He's not going to show more emotion than necessary, but he says he's excited. Dwight is just, he wants a friend. He wants an ally. He spent a lot of his time, if we're being honest, being terrorized by Jim and Jim's pranks and sort of being just antagonized by Jim. So he's looking for a bud. He's looking for someone to recruit to his sales team, as he calls it, someone to be on the Dwight Army of Champions. He's looking for the counter Jim. I'm not sure Ryan is that guy because Ryan is on the same spectrum as Jim, if even further to whatever side of the spectrum that is. I do. Yeah, I agree with that to a certain extent. I think that Jim and Ryan are very much the same person. In some respects. In that in that they both do not care about the job that they have and will do pretty much like the bare minimum to make a paycheck and like call it a day. Yeah. Dwight first takes Ryan to a beet field. So to Dwight's beet farm. And on the way, Ryan's trying to ask general questions about sales and tactics and interacting with clients. And Dwight's being pretty evasive He's not even being evasive. He, He's literally not even answering the questions. True. Just not responding whatsoever. Ryan asks, where's the sales call at? And Dwight's trying to be a Mr. Miyagi sort of figure and speak in riddles. And he says that when Ryan is ready to see the sales office, the sales office will present itself to him. And as they're in the beat field... Again, Dwight's trying to just really talk in all these platitudes and impart all this wisdom. And he has Ryan plant some beet seeds into the ground. And he tells Ryan, as you've planted these seeds into the ground, so I plant my seed in you. And Ryan just says, I don't think you know what you're talking about. I think Dwight's trying to be inspiring here. He, I think he's trying to spark something in Ryan without having to spell it out for him. But then Dwight runs away back to his car and drives off somewhere. Yeah, I think 
like you said, he's trying to, you know, get something out of Ryan. And I think this is just kind of a metaphorical thing in that Dwight is like giving a visual example of basically I am going to train you like and you are going to blossom into this great salesman just as you are like you will plant this seed and that will grow into a beat. Agree. Ryan does not seem all that shocked that Dwight has left him in the middle of a beet field. Yes. And he just walks off and... Heads towards a barn. Not sure how he... I mean, right. he probably just went in the same direction that Dwight's car went into. Right. But he ends up at the barn of Shroot Farms and... Dwight tells him that he has passed the first test and he is about to embark on the second test, which is inside the barn. And it's tough to tell if the series of questions that Dwight fires at him about the company and the founder and Michael are the test or if the test is to vanquish fear and fear is embodied by Mose, Dwight's cousin, hopefully in a wool sweater with tape on it, uh, spelling out the word fear. Yes, this is very confusing, which is not shocking at all because there is just a lot going on. But Dwight starts off this test with a question that is, about the paper industry in general, which makes you think, okay, this is going to be a real thing. And when Ryan gives what is probably the correct answer to this, Mm -hmm. Dwight's like, no, it's flash floods. That's what's like the greatest threat to Dunder Mifflin. Right. And then, yes, he asks general knowledge about the company and then asks questions about Michael. And so he is, it's almost like he is like, training Ryan to be his replacement. Kind of. That's the way Dwight views the job. Know everything about the history of the company. Know everything about the boss and serving the boss and being his ally. That is not how Ryan views this job. Ryan just says nope to wrestling Moe's. Says I'm out. I really wanted to make something of this day and you are just a freak. Dwight is actually called a freak twice in this episode. Once by Ryan and then once by Kelly who tells Angela how worried she is about how long Dwight and Ryan have been gone. And Angela's trying to comfort Kelly and says, don't worry, Dwight will protect him. Kelly, not knowing that Angela and Dwight are a couple, says, "Mm, Dwight's a freak. (laughs) Angela, uh, rightfully so, gets a bit defensive, tells Kelly she's a freak, and walks off. So Dwight had a tough day with the co-workers, I would say. Dwight really does make it up to Ryan, though. He came on pretty strong. He he finds him just walking along the dirt road of of, uh, Shroot Farms, 
says, get in the car. I'm really sorry. This is not what my intention was here. I just really think this could be something good. He really does want a bud and an ally in the office. Right. This is where he just kind of lays his cards on the table and just explains he didn't have that great of a relationship with Jim. Like, they were always just kind of messing with each other. Yeah, always antagonizing each other. And so he thought this could be the start of a new, like, just a clean slate with somebody new that, you know, they could make sales together and just be a very good team and kind of, you know, kind of anchor the the branch itself. You Mm -hmm. know, have two really good salesmen in the same branch and potentially save it from being downsized. True. And it turns out there actually was a sales call at Axelrod Limited. And Dwight had kind of forgotten about that, like peels off and they make it there. We don't see any of the sales call, but we do see Dwight giving several tips to Ryan as they're driving there. And you can tell Dwight knows what he's talking about. He seems like he's a good salesman. He has good tips. Ryan does seem eager to pick up on said tips at this point. So we see them walking in. We see them walking out. It did not go well, apparently. They did not like Ryan. For some reason, this just kind of sets Ryan off. Well, apparently they told that to his face. Well, yeah, sure, sure. But, like, for... Like, this is, this is out of Ryan's character. He is one that just doesn't care about things. Like, to me, what would happen in this situation is, like, he would just be, is like, oh, well, this day was a complete waste. I'm just going to go back to doing what I've done before and just kind of skating by. Like, I yeah. don't care enough to really get too worked up about this but ryan kind of snaps in a way and he takes some eggs that dwight had offered him as kind of a peace offering for leaving him in the middle of a beet field and just wasting his day in general and he takes some of those eggs and he starts throwing them at the office building (laughs) and dwight joins him And so as security comes out, they get in the car real quick and take off. And they head to a bar and they have what appears to be a, maybe a lunchbox. I'm going to call, I'm going to say it was a lunchbox. Okay. Because it wasn't an Irish car bomb, Mm -hmm. clearly, but I'm going to say it was a lunchbox. Yeah. Maybe a boiler maker. Some sort of shot within a beer. Right. And just kind of leave the day on a on a good note, if you will. So something good came out of that day, I guess. Yeah, and it's a bit of a bonding moment for them. Because with any shot within a beer, you know, your sister chug it. Dwight struggles with that kind of off the bat. But Ryan, we learned he was in a frat uh, throughout this episode, which is not shocking. He completes his chug. Right. Not his first rodeo, I'm sure. Yes. And Dwight is cheering him on. At first, he's he's saying, temp, temp, temp. But then he's like, no. He kind of it clicks over in his brain. He's like, you know what? I want him to respect me. I'm going to respect him. And he starts chanting his actual name. 
And really, there's no other end to that storyline. That's how we end it. We do see them coming back to the office pretty late, probably around 5.30 or so. I'm not sure why. I have to imagine that Dwight's beet farm is not necessarily close by to the office mm-hmm. that maybe that's it, it's a bit of a hole out there so that might be part of it but then they also drove to the sales call so unless that was far away I'm just very confused at the timeline there and I think that was a little bit of a and we'll get to that I think there was a little bit of a fudging with the story to make it all work out for the purposes of what they needed to happen in this episode Ryan and Dwight are not the only people working on sales in this episode. At the very beginning of the episode, we see Jan sitting in Michael's office with him, and she asks, what did you do yesterday? And Michael takes this as just a general question, like, hey, how's it going? What would you do yesterday? Just a shoot in the breeze sort of conversation. And, And Michael's like, oh, not much. What about, you know, how are you? Yeah, how are you, Jan? And Jan very much meant that in a please go through the day-to-day business that you do for me, please. Recount your entire day from start to finish. Yes. When it becomes clear that Michael doesn't have anything to share, she asks Pam (laughs) to keep track of Michael for the day and just write down what he does all day so that corporate can analyze it that was my favorite part i'm like you or other people in corporate and it is literally an hour by hour log so pam obliges she starts writing in things although i would argue that for instance she wrote cosby impression at like 10 a.m because he was on a sales call with a client Caselli, who then, you know how Michael, same thing he did with Daryl, just does the metamorphosis of his name to get to an impression, essentially. Yeah. So instead of writing Cosby impression, Pam could have written sales call. Yeah. And Michael's day gets interrupted. Yes, the... The hope that Pam has for his productivity is thwarted by an announcement. An announcement is made over the loudspeaker in which we had no idea existed up until this point. Like, I didn't know there was a PA system in the office building. For the whole building. For the whole building, right. right. For the Scranton Business Park in general. It makes the announcement that there will be a pretzel vendor in the building giving out free pretzels. Yeah, which is pretty awesome yeah i would enjoy that i would love that and michael well first of all one person is seemingly more excited than anyone about this and that is stanley the i don't think the announcement is even over before stanley is up out of his desk and going towards the door to go get his pretzel yeah Michael decides that he must have a pretzel as well because the thought of that soft pretzel is just eating away in his brain. It's preventing any sort of productivity from happening, so he must go and stand in line. 
And when he gets down there, the line is very long already, which makes me think, are there really that many people that work in the Scranton Business Park? We only know of two companies that are in that building. That's true. We don't. But we know. In season five. Is this the five families thing? Yeah. There's five companies. So, um, in I'm sorry, in season four, we get a sit down of the five families. We learn more about who's in this business park. Yeah. I do. I will say I can relate to Michael in this situation where if you are in a job where there isn't much going on and you were just kind of doing menial tasks as they come up, especially food related things will just kind of stay in your mind and you were just like well okay i'm gonna go i'm gonna go do this and then i'll get back to work or i guess you could flip it around and be like all right i'm gonna get up to this point in this thing i'm doing so i can go get yeah a cookie or whatever a donut, and, and, yeah uh, and, whatever is and then come back for my work right so yes i can i can relate to michael in this situation so Michael finally gets to the front of the line. But not before Pam tries to help him out a little bit. In the sense that she says, why don't you sign some invoices while you're waiting in line? Because she knows that he needs to be productive today. So she's trying to spur him on to be productive without spelling it out for him. But he says no. <laughs> He refuses. She even offers to stand in line for him to get his pretzel for him so he can go upstairs and get some work done. He refuses that because he likes his pretzels a certain way and she might just mess up his order. But he does take her up on it so he can go to the bathroom. Yeah. (laughs) So Michael finally gets to the front of the line. And he asks the pretzel vendor if there are any sweet pretzels left. And the pretzel vendor is like, yep, we have that. We also have 16 different types of toppings. And he goes through each every one. And Michael just has this kid in a candy store look on his face, quite literally. Right. Just as in all of these options, how am I going to choose which is, 16 is a lot. Yeah. It's excessive. Yeah. For, a very, for just a regular size pretzel. And again, I can relate to Michael here. If somebody was just like, here's all of these things, I would probably be like, all of those sound good. <laughs> can not, I get all of them? But not all together they don't sound good. There was only like one thing that kind of was weird. Like there was like a mint. Mint chocolate chips. Yeah. In there. And so if there was like a mint and then probably like a peanut butter thing or a mint and there was a caramel sauce thing, yeah, not that's probably not going together very well. But like just mint and icing and chocolate and all that other stuff. Yeah, sign me up for that. Yes. So Michael does get the works. Yeah. And he was not lying when he said he would be motivated to work after having his pretzel but not in the way I think he had intended. No, not at all. 
The next thing we see is Michael in his office. Door is closed, but we can hear Rock and Roll Part 2 by <laughs> Gary Glitter being played in the office. Jeremy now. And some of the people in the office, mainly Kevin, are kind of rocking along to it. And Michael comes out and he just starts throwing out like business buzzwords left and right. He said he's going to revamp the office to increase productivity and efficiency. And he's going to move everything around. He suggests that Phyllis and Stanley switch desks. (laughs) That's not going to do anything. But in the moment, that sounds really great to Michael. Yes, he is just really uh, hyped up on all that sugar. Yes. And of course, you can't have a sugar rush without a sugar crash. Because later, Pam gets a phone call from Jan. And just checking in on how things are going, checking in on Michael. And Pam looks over at Michael's desk and he is asleep. He is passed out on his desk. Pam covers for him, says he's on a sales call. Jan says, okay, no message. So not a great look, but it turns out that Michael made a really big sale to the client that he did the Cosby impression for. And the contracts came while Michael was asleep. So I'm not really sure what the point of this segment in the episode was. Like there is really no except for comedic comedic effect, obviously. But there is no, like, lesson, if you will, to be learned here. Like, this isn't necessarily the usual Michael succeeding in spite of of himself thing that we see in in this show where Michael is just messing up left and right or just being obnoxious, but then in the end he is a good guy or turns out to be competent and yeah there's no real through line really quite frankly to most of the episodes storylines you could say you know jan is annoyed at michael i don't know if this has anything to do with like the coup at all if it has anything to do with what we saw in grief counseling There, yeah, doesn't seem to be a through line. And really, you can say that, now that I think about it, about pretty much the first third to fourth of this season. Like, in these first five episodes, nothing has really happened Mm plot-wise, except for a couple just, like, little things thrown in here and there. There's some nuggets, but nothing is this huge advancing of the story. Right. You are mostly getting just comedic episodes, which, as we have said before, these are some of the best episodes in the entire series. The real gold comes to the end. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but this is a solid season. Yes. And, yeah, they really do... And honestly, we are probably two or three episodes away from them starting the, quote, real season where things start to actually happen in terms of plotline. And I'm trying to think of it as, so if we're seeing this for the first time, 
I may start to be getting annoyed at this point with the Stanford stories. Yes. Especially with what we saw this episode, mm-hmm. which really, the all we see of Stanford Branch this episode is Karen has a squeaky chair that she accused Jim of giving to her. Jim just states that, no, I just took my chair back that you stole from me. Karen tries to get Andy to help her. Karen eventually switches chairs with Andy. And Andy has a squeaky chair. It does advance a little bit, the Jim-Karen crush. But really, it's just this weird check-in. Not really even... a weird drop-in in Stanford. Not really even that. Like, if you compare this, their interactions here, to their interactions in the last episode... Like, this is just kind of friendly office banter where last episode, like, that's big time flirting and kind of looking out for someone that you may have feelings for. Yeah. However, we do get one meaningful scene out of Jim this episode, and that is... At the very end, when he is trying to call Kevin, he just can't remember his extension, so he was just going to call the main line and go through the the message prompt or whatever. the directory. Right. Pam, however, is still at the office because she was covering for Michael's sugar crash and answers the phone. And you get this very awkward moment where... It's kind of like, it's very much like running into an ex that you haven't seen in a while, that things ended amicably enough, but you you probably just weren't that into each other. Yeah, because we have to assume that they probably really haven't spoken since casino night, that Jim likely... Except for the time that Michael had Pam on the phone at the convention and was just like, hey, that's it. Let's think about this, though. It's not like Jim could have just cleaned out his desk the next day. I guess he could have transferred pretty quickly unless he took a bunch of time off. It it does seem a little implausible that they never spoke or saw each other. You could have done it over the weekend. Since then, but that's true. This could have happened somewhat quickly because he was already going to go... To Stanford on casino night. It was already in the works, yeah. It was already in the works. So, plausibly, we could say that Jim and Pam probably have not spoken. So, the call starts out pretty awkward of like, oh, hey, oh my gosh, like, how are things going? It, It didn't even start that way. Like, Pam just kind of offered that. Like she was oh, just, yeah. she just was like, I'm, I'm doing, you know, things around here pretty much the same. Things are the same. But then, then it shifts over. Then it starts to get kind of back to old times. They're talking, they're joking. Pam's telling a story. She clearly has said that she lives in her own apartment. You know, I don't know if it came up that she didn't get married. Jim knows that from Michael at the convention though. But they, they're clearly not talking heavy things. They're just talking funny stories, things like that. And 
we get the impression they've been there a while. And this is where I have an issue with timeline. Because Michael woke up at 5.20. And everyone's heading out of the office at that time. And that's when Jim calls. So let's assume they're all supposed to leave at 5. Everyone's kind of there a little bit later than their usual. It seems as though Jim and Pam have been talking for a while. So let's say they've been talking, I don't know, 20 minutes? I would be willing to bet it's 6 o'clock when they get done talking. And the only reason they stop talking is because Ryan and Dwight walk into the office. Pam is sort of thrown. Neither of them really speak or anything. But Pam says to Ryan, oh my gosh, are you okay? Nothing really comes from it. And then she's like, okay, bye. Thing, And Jim thinks that she is saying that to him. Because she puts the telephone receiver back up to her mouth as she says bye. Right. And this is just a, a great example of their, the first part of their relationship. Because it's a super awkward ending to their, it is. To their conversation that could have been avoided or cleaned up with just simple communication. Oh, no. Oh, no. You know, Ryan and Dwight just got back. Right. I was saying bye to them. Right. That's it. That's it. That's all, that's all that had to be said, except for they're both like, oh, you, you got to go. I, I, I got to go, too. You know, you should probably go. I, I should probably go, too. And it's just this weird yeah. back and forth, like, just be adults and... Pam's fear of sort of saying anything concrete out loud sometimes right. is coming through here. And really, that's how the episode ends. We have we do see Stanley saying only 364 more days, 365 more days uh, until the next pretzel day. And that is episode five of season three. So with that, let's go to the annex with Antoinette and find out any fun facts about this episode. So this is our first uh, appearance of Mose, Dwight's cousin. Mose is played by Michael Schur, who is a writer for The Office. He's also the showrunner for Brooklyn Nine-Nine and The Amazing The Good Place. Um, we highly recommend The Good Place if you haven't watched it. For sure. The character of Moe's is based on a UPN reality show, Amish in the City, which I do not remember that show. Nor do so I. It, so it's based on a guy uh, from that show who must have been maybe a little out there or something or was just amazed by the big city. And then Michael Schur, it took him three months to kind of grow out his beard uh, to play, to play Moe's. And that's it for the annex for today. Curtis, do you think we had any firings? I would say yes. Ryan and Dwight probably get fired for throwing eggs at a building in which they were trying to make a sale in. I agree. That's probably not a great look. Probably a fireable offense. And if that didn't do it, drinking on the job probably seals it as well. I don't know about that there would probably be a reprimand if that was the only thing they probably get reprimanded for it but like combine the two things i was thinking more dwight's hazing 
Sure. Um, I think it would be different if they were drinking in the office. Since they had gone to a bar. You're still on company time at that point. Right. Like, I, don't, I can't. I don't know if it was their lunch or something. I mean, maybe. I can't leave my office and go to a bar down the street and have a beer and then come back <laughs> and just be like, no, it's good. I, I wasn't in the office drinking. I guess that, that is true. I don't disagree with that. Um, I just know that sometimes people have a beer at lunch. Yeah. I, I, yeah, it's, it, it happens. You have a lot of beers over lunch? No. Uh, do you have a Dundee Award? I do. The worst outfit Dundee goes to Karen because she was this, she was wearing this weird, like, it's not weird. It's a completely normal outfit, but it was like a light blue blazer on top of a light blue button up shirt. And it was just like, you got to dark and light that. You know? Yeah. It was a lot of, it was a just, monochrome. it was, ex- yeah, it was basically, she was wearing the same color. Right. For both. Right. What's your Dundee to give out this episode? The biggest time waster is Pretzel Day. And that's only because there is one man and he is moving incredibly slow. And he has to heat every individual pretzel. Then he puts the toppings on. And that's why the line is so long and not moving uh, very quickly at all yes a very inefficient process yes also a minor dundee goes to andy for uh the you tried your best award because he says he is acting his heart out when he asked jim to come over there to speak to him and that really is not the best way to get him to get up so karen could steal the chair right right Who is your employee of the month? My employee of the month is Stanley. Because because, well, let's just let's have Stanley explain why this day is so important to him. I wake up every morning in a bed that's too small, drive my daughter to a school that's too expensive, and then I go to work to a job for which I get paid too little. But on pretzel day, well I like pretzel day. So the eternal grump at work stanley is having a good day at work so i think that we should reward him for that that's why he got my employee of the month yeah you have to enjoy the small things sometimes and that's what stanley's doing with pretzel day for sure so that does it for this week's episode please follow us on twitter at downsizing pod to get all the latest updates and please continue listening to us on spotify Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Rate and subscribe wherever you can to keep getting our name out there. We appreciate you listening, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.